Thank you for joining us today. We believe that the word of God is designed to make a mark in your life that is not easily erased. And right now, God is sharing to us about relationships and how our relationships should not be easily broken. I believe this word of God is going to do just that. Strengthen your relationships so they're not easily broken and you can move forward with a group of people that are supporting what God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Not easily broken. God wants us to have relationships that are not easily broken, that they can't be just trampled on and pulled apart just by any little thing, but that we stay strong and tight with one another. And also, I just want to remind you again that for this year, our whole thing for the year is stability. We're looking to find stability in actually every area of our lives. We're just dealing with relationships right now. But remember, the uh, messengers are designed to cause stability to come into your life. Amen. So let us make sure we remember why we are here. Amen. And so we've been talking about marital relationships, and I know that you had a wonderful time with Pastor Lamar on last week. I just, yes, amen. <laughs> Praise God. So, um, we're going to uh, start in Genesis. We'll do a small little recap here. We're going to start in Genesis because, again, when we do things God's way, it always turns out for the better. Even though we may go through some challenges as we are endeavoring to uh, relate to one another the way God says, only thing it will do is cause us to be stronger if we will hang in there and stick it out and allow the Holy Spirit to direct us concerning these things. Amen? So in Genesis chapter... 2 verse 18, we'll read this out of the New King, King James uh, Version of the Bible. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. God said it wasn't good. He said, It is not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helper comparable to him. This is what the New King James says. Uh, he make a helper comparable to him. And I just read this out of several translations because this has been so misinterpreted over the years where uh, people have uh, changed this word into almost like slave. <laughs> she will be my slave. <laughs> and she will, and I will lord over her. But uh, in other translations, it says, uh, I made the woman to be an authority corresponding to him. Someone like him, a counterpart, someone who's equal, his peer, his equivalent, and complement. Women were built with the ability, let me put it, the ability or power to reflect intellectually, physically, and socially to a man. So God didn't make one greater than the other, but he says, I'm going to make you a counterpart because when uh, God was... Uh, you know, bringing all the animals to uh, Adam, he didn't see anything that he could correspond with intellectually or socially or physically. And God said, it's not good that you be alone. So uh, let's go down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. So a happy and successful marriage is based upon a woman not being the same as the man, but her being one in whom he sees his image or counterpart. Sees his image or counterpart. So we're not trying to make the woman a man or a man a woman. 
but he sees his counterpart. Amen. Amen. And we have to understand that marriage is a covenant as well. So in Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 21, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the, then the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman. I always just love that word. He made unto a, he made a woman. I like that word. Another translation says he built a woman. So he didn't just, just, just take Adam anything. He didn't present anything before Adam. But this was a, a process that God thought about. It was he, 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 he made her. He built her. He built, uh, built a woman for Adam. And I'm like, man, God didn't take us from the dust of the ground like he did Adam. He didn't. He said, I'm going to take a part of man and I'm going to build him a woman. Build him a woman. He says, I'm going to make a woman. I'm going to build someone. I'm going to uh, craft her, handcraft her for man. Now, again, for man does not mean slave, rule over, ownership. But he says the, the, the woman is going to be suitable. She's going to be, uh, he's going to be able to relate to her on an intellectual basis, social basis. So he won't be lacking in anything. Amen. Men say amen. amen. <laughs> he says, and he brought her to the man. So God presented her. He didn't just let her be found somewhere. You know, he's strumming around and go, whoa, well, what are you? And who are you? Uh, and as a matter of fact, Adam looked and immediately knew what her purpose was. Immediately knew that this was a companion. Immediately. God didn't have to give him any instructions or anything like that. Because everything was perfect then. Look at somebody say, perfect. perfect. Everybody understood the parts and the roles. And uh, so there was no confusion. There was no uh, uh, competition at that time. And so uh, Adam says in verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. So Adam is saying we're intimately acquainted with one another. It's not just a woman or another person. He says, no, no, she is taken or withdrawn from me. But you know, when God withdrew the rib from Adam, he didn't bring it back the same. He brought her back different. So that's why I'm saying you're not the same, but he handcrafted. I just want y'all to get a picture of it. He withdrew a rib from Adam, handcrafted Eve, and then brought her back. Mm-hmm. God knew what he was doing. And so Adam looks and he recognizes. He recognizes he didn't look at her and say, oh, this is a slave. This is the one I order around. This is the one I tell what to do. He says, no, this is now bone of my bone. She's a part of me. This is now flesh of my flesh. Amen. Y'all get the picture. It is awesome what God had in his mind that unfortunately got kind of jacked up 
However, God's intent can still be uh, uh, lived out if we do it God's way. Amen. If we do it God's way, if we dedicate ourselves to listening to the Holy Spirit, reading the word and not comparing ourselves among one another, least of all comparing ourselves to what the world has to say that marriage is supposed to look like. And, you know, we've told you before, stop taking all them crazy tests, trying to figure out if your husband cheating, uh, if he really loves you or if she loves you. Y'all looking at me strange. I, you know good and well you flip through some magazines. Even if it were accidentally, you saw and you were tempted to read some of those questions. I thank God most of you probably just stopped and said, you know what, I'm not even going to go there. So Adam recognized that Eve was a part of who he was and, and the whole makeup of who he was, and he received her and accepted her that way. So let us look at, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter 34, because, you know, some things kind of got messed up along the lines, and we're in recovery. Thank God for grace. <laughs> We're in recovery. And, uh, but still, even knowing the word, things happen. Things happen. And, and Pastor Brian taught an awesome message on Sunday concerning forgiveness and why people do what they do. He, you know, I like to, I'm like him. I like to get down to the very basic bottom line of everything. Uh, no matter what you say, uh, as Dr. Dollar says, when you see it and do things wrong, you do it because you want to. You actually want to. Your want to got all mixed up with what you should do. But um, we're going to read Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14 out of the uh, New King James Version of the Bible. Because um, here, God talks about an emotion that can help protect marriages and relationships. We a lot of times see it in a negative connotation, but looking at it here, it says, for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous, is, je is a jealous God. He said his name is jealous. He's a jealous God. And in looking at that, that means he's intolerant of rivalry. He's intolerant of rivalry. He don't want us to have no other God before him. No other God. So uh, God is like that for our protection. He knows that he's the only one who can fulfill all the desires of our hearts and all the things that we need. And so he doesn't want us having anything else before him. He don't want another relationship coming in between us and him. So the Bible says he's a jealous God in, in, in respects to that. And when you look at jealousy, when it comes to uh, relationships, it, is, it can be unhealthy if it's extreme and crazy. You know, the kind, Pastor Poe talked about, you can't go to the grocery store unless, you know, I'm timing you, get back here. Uh, you're a minute late, where were you? I mean, what could a person actually do in a minute? I don't know, but nonetheless... <laughs> We don't look at it that way, but uh, 
when it comes to jealousy and it being advantageous to us, it's because it protects the priority of our relationships. It protects the priority of the relationship because when we make decisions to marry and become one, we're saying that there is no other relationship that's going to come between us. No other relationship. Only higher relationship than the husband and the wife is the relationship that they have with God. No other relationship comes between that. No children, no work, no mamas, no daddies, no, no nothing comes between that relationship. And so when, uh, whenever a person tends to betray that, then you will see jealousy. You'll see jealousy, but the jealousy is there as, again, as a protection. One person may recognize that you've lost your priority. If you are flirtatious, if you're doing things that you ought not to be doing, talking in a manner you should not be talking, well, the other spouse has a right to be jealous. And you can't just say, well, I can't talk to anybody. Well, it's not so much sometimes you just talking to anybody. It's how you're talking to that person, how you're relating to that person. And you can't get upset if your, if your wife or your husband brings it to your attention because they are wanting to protect the priority of that relationship. We have to understand that God asks a person or people when they, become, when they join as one to do something major in their lives. He's saying, you had a relationship with your family. Now I'm telling you to leave your family. The relationship that you had with your parents, you're going to have to, we shift some things. And now the relationship you have with your spouse is higher than the relationship you had with your family and with your parents. It's higher. And it comes right underneath your relationship with God. Well, if someone else tries to get in between that and you allow it, that means your priorities are out of order. Your priorities are out of order. Um, and it also protects the re relational integrity of your relationships, meaning um, the integrity of your relationship. It means that you don't cross the lines, you know, uh, and it, you don't have to tell people really what flirting is. You, you know, most people know when someone is flirting with them. I mean, sometimes it, it, it can be a little light, but, and you know when you're flirting with someone else. Whether, you know, people touch people in, in different manners, uh, and as a woman, I know when a gentleman touches me and it's inappropriate. It doesn't necessarily have to be groping in any kind of way, but uh, you touch me and I I'm, I'm, I'm feel some kind of way, and it's like, wait, that wasn't just a hug. 
That wasn't just a tap on the back. That was something else. How many of you women? Amen. You recognize it. And sometimes your husband recognizes it as well. And they may have something to say about if you continuously smiling and, hey, how you doing? Like, put your hand down. <laughs> I'll speak for the both of us. <laughs> and listen, I'm, I, just want to, I, I just want to say this. And occasionally, there are some men who don't recognize flirtation. But a woman normally recognizes in another woman. She, she knows all the little moves in the, oh, you look so good today. That looks nice. It's a different one. Oh, you look really nice today. And keep it moving. The, oh, you look nice today. It's like, <laughs> the men, sometimes they take the whole focus. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they ain't even looking at all the other stuff that's going on and all the, you know, you all understand what I'm saying. Amen. <laughs> and so, and let me just say this as well. No one is exempt. No one is exempt because Satan is always accusing us. He goes before God and he accuses us. And so uh, he, when you get married, God, he's, he wants to break up marriages. So it happens in every marriage that someone is, is going to flirt with your spouse. All right? Somebody somewhere is going to flirt with your spouse. You may even think, ain't nobody going to flirt with them. Look what they look like. I mean, they all out of shape. It's been years. They put on weight. He's lost his hair. Let me tell you something. When it comes to flirting, it has no eyes. It is not trying to see. You all understand what I'm saying. I mean... So no one, don't ever think, oh, no one will ever pay attention to her or no one will ever pay attention to him so I can slack off on my attention. No, no, no. No, Satan is after everybody's marriage. Regardless of what you look like physically, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Woo, get through this. Okay. Uh, As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs is full of warnings to men concerning the whorish woman. We'll look at a couple. Proverbs, <laughs> you know, every time, every time I read that, however, I think about this. That woman is somebody's daughter. I mean, I know, you know, the word of God talks about avoiding the whorish woman, but that is somebody's daughter who is going down the wrong road and trying to obtain things uh, not in the proper way. And after someone else, and, and some people do it for game, as I was writing my notes and looking at things, uh, I had a friend, had. <laughs> this was when uh, I, was in, I was in college. Uh, there were three of us that kind of hung out together. And so one day, one, uh, one of them shared with us that, um, that she liked flirting with married men. Caught us totally off guard. We were like, well, why? And she said, well, 
they always, these women always think they just got it going on. And this is jealousy talking. And they just think everything's just so perfect in their marriage. She said, hmm, it ain't that perfect. And we were like, what do you mean it's not that perfect? She said, it's, it's not that perfect. I mean, because after all, I've slept with a bunch of them. Okay, that was the last day I went anywhere with her. <laughs> it's like, you want to go out? No, sure don't. Mm -mm, sure don't. But she did it for sport. Just because she was jealous of anybody's relationship that looked like it was good. So men, don't be used in a game. Uh, let's read this here. For by means, did I give you the scripture? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 26. It says, for by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. So you don't, you, you don't play with that. You don't play with the flirting. You don't play with the uh, conversations. You don't play with words. You, don't, you just don't play like that when you are in a relationship, when you, have, when you are married. You don't, you, don't, you don't, that's like fire. He says, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life will pray upon his precious life. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. It reads, Therefore let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. So you set up precautions to not get caught into situations like this. And I'm talking about male and female. You, 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 you set up so that you won't get caught up in these, in these things. You make sure, because sometimes just uh, conversations, sometimes just being close to people can cause you to have a feeling or emotion that's inappropriate, that you've got to make sure you don't allow your heart to turn towards that person. It's just by uh, just, I've seen people get married because they just simply work close together, and all of a sudden, they develop this relationship and this, this camaraderie with one another, and they laughing and talking, and they discover, you know what? I got this emotion, and I think I like you. Why don't we pursue this? And I'm just talking about in general. Uh, people get married that way. But when you are married already, you cannot allow yourself to get caught up in those types of situations. You can't find yourself happy uh, to see that person coming. You can't be, find yourself when you get dressed in the morning, all of a sudden you're thinking about whether they like what you... I'm getting a little far ahead of myself. But the Bible says that no one should take it for granted that it will never happen to them. That I'll, I'll, I'll never allow that to... I'll, it'll never happen to me. But you have to set up guidelines when it comes to the opposite sex, things that you will not do, things that you will not say, things you will not talk about, and you have to stick to it. And when you, when you, when you feel the tug, and we're going to go over some things that you'll know that'll help you to understand when it starts to happen, because it, like I said, it can happen to, it can happen to anyone. Um, 
And when it comes to, and we're just talking about flirting and those type of things, but when it comes to adultery, that is a betrayal. That is, uh, adultery can make your heart sick because it, it, ha it carries a lot of emotions with it. Betrayal, uh, hurt, it carries fear, it carries doubt, it carries rage. I'm going to say hurt, hurt and rage, because a person can go from one extreme to the other. It could be, I'm so devastated, I don't know what to do with this. It could be, now I want to kill you. Then it goes to fear of, I'm losing something that's supposed to be dear to me. Uh, it becomes, a, it's betrayal, because when you get married, uh, you get to a point, or you're supposed to get to a place where you're very open with the person that you're transparent with them. They know everything concerning you, and you're supposed to be able to feel free in order to do that. Well, once adultery is committed, then the person feels betrayed. I, 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 gave, I let down all of my inhibitions, and then it looks like you just trampled on them. You did not respect it, let me put it that way. Uh, let me just give you this definition. Um, adultery is taking the most sacred expression of intimacy in a marriage and giving them to someone other than your spouse. That's what that is. The most sacred, because it's a union between two that are supposed to be becoming one. And understand, when God talks about becoming one, he's talking about like having glue and putting two sheets of paper together. Once it dries, there's, you, you're not supposed to, you can't really pull it apart. So that means that there are things that go on in your marriage that's just between you and your spouse and not supposed to be shared with anyone else, especially intimacy, especially those things that bring you together. And when I talk about intimacy, I'm not talking about sexual relationships. I'm just talking about a friendship and a, 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 comfort, a comfort that you now have with that person that you don't have with anybody else. You feel like I can share anything with this person. I feel like I can be vulnerable to this person. I can share my weaknesses. I can share my aspirations. Uh, they're there to encourage me. I'm there to encourage them. They're there to just be right there beside me. And then when adultery is committed, all of that is shattered. And for the most part, you've only done that with one person in your whole life. And so then it becomes, uh, then there's uh, distrust that develops because it's like, I can't, if I can't trust you, who am I going to trust? Because there's some things I share with you that I don't share with my best girlfriend and I don't share with my best guy friend. But with you, I can be who I am in all my strengths and in all my weaknesses. And now that's all out the door. Again, adultery happens when you lose priority. That's why you have to watch the friends that you are around. You don't, you don't hang out with people who don't find it, anything wrong with adultery. You don't hang out with people who make jokes concerning adultery. You don't hang out with people who tell you things like you're married and they're saying, oh, you know, but that lady's all into you. Nope, you need to separate yourself because they're not for your marriage. So you have to, and <laughs> I heard someone, someone once say, adultery run in packs. <laughs> it run in packs. Mm. 
Yes, amen. Also, it, it happens because uh, TV do glamorize it. You know, when I, when I was in college, there was a song, I don't even know who wrote it. The song was called Me and Mrs. Jones. We have a thing going on. We both know that it is wrong. I can't even remember the rest of it. And you know how in college, you, you, well, I don't know about you, but anyway, I, I, I like to dance. I like to go to parties. So we would just be dancing. And then one day I was like, wait, wait, wait. And of course, that friend was singing it real loud. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, the things that go into our ears that we don't realize is, is, is causing our thoughts to be uh, uh, separated from what God thinks. So this song was very, very popular. And I mean, it come on, everybody on the dance floor just be singing and dancing. And I'm thinking, my goodness, somewhere along the line, if we don't stop listening to this stuff, we're going to be Mrs. Jones and having a thing going on. And <laughs> Again, you don't, you, don't, you don't hang out. You have to make sure that you keep your relationships right. You have to uh, I always say this. When a young couple get married, the best people, best couples really to hang out with is an older couple that's got it going on. Because a lot of times the young couples that you hang out with, they going through the same stuff you going through. And so you can't really help each other. Y'all just keep regurgitating what you don't like and how they need to change. And girl, I'm t yeah, you need to get with somebody who's there to encourage you in your, in your marriage, and that's for your marriage. That, uh, I talked to, I forgot who it was. Oh, I know it was um, um, Loretta Smotherman. She was talking about her guest list at her wedding. She said, I didn't invite a whole bunch of people to my wedding. I only invited people to my wedding that I knew was for me, would pray us through things, that wanted our marriage to work. She said, I just didn't throw out invitations to everybody. She said, because I wanted the people to witness my wedding that cared about me and my marriage staying strong. Mm. Good advice, good advice. Save you some money, too. This probably will be very short. <laughs> some relatives may not even be able to come. But, uh, <laughs> but in, in all of this still, God is able to redeem it, even if it should happen in your marriage. God is able to redeem and resurrect anything that you put into his hands. Amen. So it's not the end of the world if it should take place. It may feel like it. And I don't make light of it because it happened to me. It may feel like it. But then God is such a good God. If you're willing to work at it, he's willing to work with you to make it right. And then in doing so, you don't make light of it either. Uh, you know, sometimes people just want to say things like, oh, it just happened. It, it, you know, it's over and I'm done with it. And, you know, that is not enough when the wound is that deep. That's like putting a bandage on something that was cut with a butcher knife and saying, hey, be all right. You have to actually earn the trust of that person back again. And let me tell you, for the most part, what they're asking you to do is not ridiculous. Because you're having to earn a trust back. So you have to be willing to earn the trust back because you're the one who did the portraying. So you can't just say, ah, it was nothing. Yeah, it was, it was something. <laughs> it's something because you 
share it with someone that's supposed to be exclusively mine. Amen? So it, 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 it is something. It's not a nothing. It is definitely a something. Amen? Uh, and you have to be accountable. So, you know, we laughed about the minute being late, but you might need to give them a call and say, I'm running a minute late. Seriously. And I know people want to say, oh, you need to just get over it. You have broken a covenant. A covenant is a serious, is a serious thing. You know, you said until death do us part. Death is the only thing that's supposed to separate you. So it's a very serious matter. So, yes, you have to be accountable. And how long do I be accountable? Until the person is good. Now, some people never get good. And it ends in divorce because they just, they can't get, they can't get past it. I believe God can help you get past it um, because his idea of divorce, uh, the idea of divorce is not what God desires. But two parties still have to work at it. And what we have to understand as well is that, uh, oh, let me not get ahead of myself. Um, you have to build back the foundation because when it happens, it, it hits the foundation of things. It's not the stuff that's built on top of it, but you've, you've done something, you've cracked the foundation, so now you have to go back and build a foundation, and the foundation could possibly be even stronger than it was before because now you're actively, consciously thinking about your actions and what you do and the relationships that you have. And you have to, of necessity, separate yourself from the person that you had the adulterous affair with. That may mean you might have to change your job. That may, you, but you, you're going to have to, I mean, think about it. I committed adultery with someone I work with, and I'm going to go to the job every day telling you that it's over. Unless I'm in your back pocket. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know it's over. Because I don't know how it started in the first place. I don't even know why it started in the first place. So for all I know, whatever happened may happen again. I don't know. So sometimes people think, oh, that's just too much. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about getting, I mean, one day you do have to release the person or you have to release the marriage. Because you don't want people paying 50 years later because you, you, you hadn't gotten together to establish the foundation apparently, so that you can, so it, uh, and so people say, well, how long will it take? I don't know. I don't know how long it'll take. But I tell you what, it's worth working it out if you can. It is very, it's, it's worth working it out if you can, because the only thing happens a lot of times is that you go into another marriage and now you don't trust the person that you're married to the second time, because you didn't fix what happened the first time. Amen. Y'all so Solomon here. <laughs> so, 
See, when we get married and we say until death do us part, what we're saying is I won't turn my heart from you. I won't allow anything to turn my heart from you. Even though uh, you may be approached by people, don't allow your heart to be turned. Because what happens is when you turn your heart and you start to, uh, uh, I heard Jimmy Evans, Evans saying this, what you're doing is the more you talk to uh, the person that you may be having an affair with and not necessarily going into adultery, but you are having an affair with, and remember I told you an affair does not necessarily have to be a physical act. It could be an emotional thing that's going on. Then what you're doing is the more you talk to that person, the, big, the, the wider the window opens and you're letting them into a space they shouldn't be. But in turn, what you're doing is building a wall in front of your spouse because now I'm starting to share things with this person that I'm not sharing with the person I'm supposed to be sharing with, so I'm putting a wall up here and I'm opening a window over here. So we have to, you have to watch your conversations. Um, Pastor Cynthia uh, taught a message many, many years ago called, Who Touched Me? And uh, I asked her, I said, what is that all about? And she said, she said it's about emotions and relationships. And she said, um, I have a lot of brothers, so uh, I get along with male really well. You know, I can talk to them, basketball, I like to play basketball, I like to do all these things, and so I can relate to them with football games and have a lot of fun. And so she said that when she was in college, she said the guys would be like, hey, Cynthia, she's like, hey, they's like, you want to go get something to eat? She'd go, yeah, let's go get something to eat. And she said she was eating, but she didn't realize that they were attracted to her. Until later on, they're like, I'm asking, you, you went out with that guy? I thought we was, she was like, what are y'all talking about? I don't understand what you're saying. And she said, because she didn't think about it. It wasn't on her mind. She was touching people in ways that she was not intending to touch them. Like, oh, y'all thinking about it. Y'all probably done touched a lot of people and didn't even know. <laughs> Running around touching people, just talking to them and just, ah! all over the place. When you, <laughs> you have to be extremely careful in a marriage situation that you don't become that friendly. I mean, you can be friends, but let me tell you something. I know when people first get married, they're like, I can keep all my single friends. No, you can't. Because mm -mm, they're still single. And they're still thinking single. And if you, if you, if you, <sighs> women. <laughs> sometimes I think about us. We just like to talk. And uh, sometimes when you're talking, you'll share too much information because everybody's just kind of sitting down talking and sharing. And, of course, you're married now, so all the stuff you got to share is married stuff. Right? I mean, you want to, I mean, they're talking about them, you know, maybe going out and meeting some guy and blah, blah, blah. Well, your guy's at home. And he's the same guy. And you have dishes that you may have to wash when you get home. And uh, I was, it was funny, I was listening to um, Marilyn Hickey uh, 
teach once, and she said, you know, I, uh, I love the mission field, and I go out, and I have hundreds of thousands of people that come to my meetings, and, you know, people get saved, and I get in, uh, you know, different countries, and, you know, I, I meet prime ministers. She said, when I get home, my husband asked me, how did it go? And he just wants to know a couple of words. It went fine. He goes, oh, okay, so what are we having for dinner? <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, she could talk with the people that were with her about everything that was going on. But when she gets home, she says, I'm, I'm my husband's wife. I'm not the evangelist. So, again, you have to watch the people that you are with if, you, if you're going to maintain a good marriage. And you can't share everything. You can't share your marital things with your single friends. Or you shouldn't. I mean, I do know that they can sometimes be of help to you, but no. no. You stay with the married group. You got, you, you're now part of the married group. Stick with your group. <laughs> and again, I'm not saying you can't have casual friends, but you all understand what I'm saying. Those can't be your bosom buddies now because you're on two different tracks in life. Um, again, uh, an affair can be emotional. Uh, and I'm just going to give you some things to help you realize that you may be headed towards an affair. Uh, when your meetings and conversations are kept secret from your spouse, you say and do things you would never do in front of your spouse. You make time to have private talks with the opposite sex. You know, I got to walk away. I got to take this phone call somewhere else. You share things with them you do not share with your spouse. And again, I'm not talking about I forgot to tell you this and somebody else know it, but I'm saying that you, you start to share more with that person more than you share with your spouse then you're on a track that's not good. Amen? And so, um, also, so these are some questions you can ask yourself. I was like, oh, man, giving them a test. Do you avoid telling your spouse how much time you spent talking with another person of the opposite sex? Do you share more of your day with them than your spouse? Do you complain about your marriage to the opposite sex? It's not your spouse. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I, you know, just people make up all kinds of reasons why they do what they do. But being in an affair or having an, an uh, 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 an adulterous relationship, you should never say that it's your spouse's fault. There is never, never, you can offer an excuse, but you will not have a reasonable reason. I don't care what it is. Because you made a covenant with God. As a matter of fact, in the book of Malachi, he says, God says, I was a witness at your wedding when you said, I do. 
And then also in the book of Malachi, he starts talking to the, the people, the men about the fact that he says, you know what? He said, you bring your offerings and, and they are not going anywhere and I'm not hearing you and you're wondering what's going on. He said, what's going on? And he said, because you have left the wife of your youth and you are dealing with harlots and other women. God says, I, in, in that respect, he's told, he was telling them, he said, I'm not receiving your offerings. So it's a serious, it's a serious matter, although it's, a lot of it goes on. And a lot of times people all say stuff like, you know, just a light flirt don't help. Well, flirt with your spouse. It's just as much fun as it was before you got married. You just stopped doing it and didn't realize that you should have kept it going. I love to watch uh, married couples uh, to see how they respond and act to each other. And um, one day I was going down the foyer, and uh, I won't tell you who it was, was standing at the door. And so uh, just looking out, just looking, I thought, what are they looking for? Sooner or later, I their car come driving around. She was like, oh, that's, and she told me his name. I said, don't nobody care about that but you. <laughs> I mean, she said it like it was the best thing. Like, I had seen him in ages. I know y'all saw each other that morning, but it was just like, oh, here he comes. Like, she just met him for the first time. And let me tell you, married couples, you should never lose that. You should never lose that. It's, it's funny. They used to tease me at work. They'd be like, okay, Pastor Poe left. Let's time it. 5, 10, 15. Oh, he's back on the phone. He would call me as soon as we could just be standing in the foyer out there talking. He'd get in the car. He'd get to the light. He'd call me. <laughs> Ms. Joyce was like, he always called you within five minutes of leaving here. I, was like, I had never noticed it. I just took the call. I thought, oh, okay, never noticed it before. But I'm telling you, you can, marriage is work, but any relationship is work. And it's worth the work. I promise you, it really is worth the work. You just need to get around some people who worked it and see how happy and joyous they are and how they love being with one another. I, I, I like to watch Randy and, and Gary. They are the funniest couple in the whole world. <laughs> to me, I mean, they should make some kind of sitcom out of those two people. <laughs> but you can tell they love each other. They're, they're, you know, they, I mean, anybody, anybody know those Normans? Y'all know how they act. So everybody's like, yeah, yeah, we all know how they act. So you need to get around some people like that. I'm not telling you to act like them. We only need one set of Normans. But I'm saying. <laughs> y'all okay over there? <laughs> but there's some awesome people to be around. And so it will, it'll, it'll help gird up your, your marriages. And so you'll see a picture of something that's good, that's wholesome. So you'll see that it's, 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 worth, it's worth working. I call it a labor of love. It's a labor of love. And that's what God's intended for it to be. He wants us to be happy and he wants us to be joyous. And um, we don't have time now, but in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, um, Paul does an awesome job of comparing uh, marriage to the church and how much Jesus Christ loved the church and how much uh, 
he was, he's devoted to the church and how much he cares for the church. And he tells the husband, he said, I need for you to care for your wife in the same manner. But just as um, Jesus is devoted to us and he just extends his, his love and his care towards us and his forgiveness towards us, uh, he wants us to be devoted to him. And he says, wives, be devoted to your husbands like that. And so there's a beautiful picture, and perhaps we we'll, can look at it maybe next week, but it's a beautiful picture that God paints of the marriage and the church, and he's comparing the two of them and saying, you know, talking to the man about, you know, the love of Christ, talking to the woman about being devoted to her husband, and it's easy to love Jesus, right? Because of his care for us. And he says it's the same way it's supposed to be in a marriage when you work it the way the Bible says to work the marriage, you can have happy, long marriages, good relationships. Because now it's interesting when you tell anybody you've been married over seven years, they almost want to throw a party. <laughs> it's like, y'all been together. How could y'all stand each other long? It's not a matter of standing each other. It's a matter of becoming one with one another and recognizing who the other person is and how important they are in your life. And that's why God doesn't want us to take marriage lightly. That's why he don't want you just looking for a man or just looking for a woman. Because God's intent is that it be for a lifetime. God's intent is that you will work well together and be joyful and be happy and uh, pray for one another and love one another and not be upset over differences. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a shame uh, when you get married, then all of a sudden you try to make that person you. You didn't marry them to become you. You married them for who they are. And that you rejoice in the differences. You're okay with the fact that they are different. They're supposed to be different. Bring a little spice into it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Oh, take the journey together. It will, it, it will be worth it. Amen. Well, I certainly hope that you got something out of uh, the message tonight. And I, um, and of course, um, there may be some people that are in those situations and you're at crossroads. Understand that God is available to assist you. Although it may seem difficult at this time, Understand that with God, you can get past it. You can get past it, and you can get into a very, very good place where you respect and honor each other. And um, her Pastor Didi said, she said when she first got married, there was so much fussing and fighting between she and her husband. She said that she would have given him away. She said, but she beat you to the death now if you tried to take him from her. <laughs> See, that's growing. That's growing and growing to the point that that's how you feel about one another. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We believe that the word of God has the power to change our lives. And I just want you to know that we are praying for you. We're believing for you, for your relationships to be stronger than ever and be stable. This is the year of stability. And we're believing God that everything we touch will be strengthened. 